Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to the Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. It is Thursday, November 21st, and uh, I'm here with my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Julie. Hey, Leanne. How are you? You know, I'm good. I'm good. We had a, I had a big week this week. I went to um, the auto show, uh, the press previews here for the big LA auto show. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. And I know we're going to talk turkey later on in the show. But Absolutely. Um, how how's it going with the hand, Julie? How's it going? <laughs> okay. You really want to know? Okay, yeah. Well, let, let me first say, the first and most important thing to say is I now just have so, I am so humbled and I have so much respect for anyone who has a disability, yeah. a wounded warrior, someone that had, doesn't have the ability, you know, to use their limbs, their arms, their legs, their hands. I, I mean, it is, so my situation is temporary and I know it and I have learned a, you know, a great deal from, from this. But with that said, Lynn, <laughs> yes. Um, first of all, I, you have to, I have to describe my physical uh, environment. Now, Everything in my house, the cap is off of, okay? That, okay. I mean, my husband for, for like tw the first 20 years of our marriage I, I was teaching me how to put the cap back on the toothpaste, okay? He can't do that anymore, okay? I can't, I can't do it with one hand, okay? So everything, all the vitamins, the toothpaste, half and half, you name it. There is nothing, salad dressing, there's nothing in my house that has a secured top on it now. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a precarious situation. The other thing you learn when you break your wrist, you think it's not that much. How bad, how bad could it be? Well, when it's your right wrist, it also means that you have, you really cannot fold anything. Okay. <laughs> because if you just have one little wing, that left arm, yeah. it's very difficult. So now I just. The sound of one hand clapping, basically. It's, it's just. <laughs> your whole I life. I just have been like rolling my clothes. <laughs> I mean, I can't hang anything up. How hard is you can't like take a hanger out and like put some, I mean, it's impossible. Well, I occasionally I use my teeth. I just have to. I'm telling you, I'm using my teeth and my right elbow. That is the only way that I'm able to get into like Ziploc bags or a lot of plastic packaging. Okay. So, so that is not a good situation. Um, secondly, my husband, he's just been doing a bang up job. I mean, he is trying as hard as he could to just help me. But I have to say the other day I said, honey, could you just take my hair and put it in this scrunchie. Okay. Well, first of all, he had no idea what a scrunchie was. I was like, oh, come on, it's a scrunchie. Now just grab my hair. That's right. Just swoop it up in the back. I'm giving instructions. Five minutes. He could not do it. He could not do it, Leon. He just couldn't, couldn't put my hair in scrunchie. Okay. Oh, and so then that's it's probably like hanging in your face and really oh. making you crazy. Okay, so that's not good. Okay, zippers. Okay, I cannot do it. Yesterday, I had to flag down my neighbor was walking past my house. <laughs> I ran out the front door. I said, could you please zip up my jacket for me? Okay, I am just... Really? I am not, 
That Lynn, is... Lynn, what are you going to do? Okay. Oh, Julie. stranger at the gym. I went back to the gym. I'm trying to work on the lower body workout. I can't tie my shoes, Leanne. Okay, that's no problem. Just go up to a stranger like I'm a three-year-old. It's like, could you tie my shoes for me, please? I, okay, it's it's just it's just not good. Okay, so that that is that's difficult. I also, you know, like sleeping is sort of a pain. You know, yeah. you just you just have to say it. It's not that I have this big heavy cast or I'm in a lot of physical pain, but it does impact your ability to move around in the bed. So I find that I'm up now at all hours, night and day, and I've watched far too much early morning TV. Okay. And Lena, I have just three observations that I want to pass on to you about early morning TV. There are a lot of reruns. So on HGTV, you can watch that show, love it or list it. I'm sure you've seen it. Sure. Okay. Well, Hillary on that show, you know, the woman who does the interior. She hates everyone. She, she has does. not like she has not liked a single client she has ever worked with. She does. I mean, she really doesn't like clients at all. So that is the problem for her. Okay, that's number one. <laughs> Willie Geist, you know who he is. Yeah, I love Willie. Amazing. I mean, I loved okay. him in his Olympic role. I'm sorry for him on the Today Show. Yes. Okay. But if you get up even earlier, Leon, he's on this other show called Morning Joe. Okay. On uh-huh. MSNBC, um, which is supposed to be bipartisan because, you know, so that's why I watch it. But Willie's growing a beard, Leon. It's not good. Okay. It is not good. Is you it for just... Movember? The mo- I... The mustache growing thing? No, no, it's a full-on beard. Okay. It's bad looking. It makes him look bad. Oh, wow. I, I can't watch him in the morning. And then the third, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. You know, she used to be on The View. Yes. And now she has replaced, and I used to love her, Mom and I loved Gretchen Carlson, was on Fox and Friends. Yeah. I know you've never watched the show, Lynn, because <laughs> you do not watch Fox and Friends. But, but I've, I've seen the clips on Jon Stewart, so I'm okay, familiar no, with Gretchen. No, no. No, you're not prepared. You're not. <laughs> Gretchen Carlson was a very smart girl, but poor Elizabeth Hasselbeck. She's on that show now. She is not a morning person. She she just looks. I don't know. She does not. She looks incredibly tired every morning. So that is not good. So those are just three reports from. This is the four a.m. Uh, television viewing time land. That's when I'm up. That's when I have like given up on sleep. I was like, okay. It, there's just there's no there's no more sleep going on, so that's it. But um, but it's only been a month, Leanne, and I keep running into people who have uh, broken their wrists, and people are free to t- tell me stuff. And here's the good news, Leanne. Yeah. Every, to a person, they have all said their doctors lied to them. <laughs> that, and, that the four to six weeks, yeah, six to eight week uh, mark, they said do not believe that. One woman showed me her wrist. She said. I broke my wrist in April, and she still had a cast on. So that sort of frightened me. But beyond that, Leanne, I am of good cheer, okay? Good cheer. <laughs> it's how it sounds like it. Good cheer. <laughs> good, very good cheer. Okay. Whew, let's not talk anymore because it's bringing me down, Leanne. Okay, let's, what's going on with you? Well, this week, I took my son to work, uh, basically. Brooks and I went to the L.A. Auto Show press days, the press preview days. 
And, you know, uh, he was credentialed all on his own. He has a new website, an Instagram account. He, he shoots film uh, and photography about cars. And so I encouraged him to um, start a website and then apply for his own press credentials. And he did that and he was granted credentials. And I, I often get invited to the LA Auto Show. and um, Because you are a local celebrity. You very, right? Well, not even because they think I still write for Oprah.com. I believe so. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so. well, it couldn't be our award-winning podcast. Perhaps no, that's I don't. I don't believe it is. No. So I just keep. I keep. You know, I keep my head down and I go because I like to see the cars and it's it's interesting to me. The car industry is interesting and and this year, Julie, they had a whole. Um, the day before we actually got to see the cars, they had a whole uh, panel discussion about the connected car. Okay, and that meaning like all the technology in your car and uh, how the automobile industry has to either like get up to standards or just give themselves over to the tech companies to fulfill that part of the car. Because basically, here's what here's what drivers want, Julie. They want to walk into a dealership and they want to put their cell phone like on the dashboard and have everything that's in their phone be in their car. And they do not understand why that interface can't happen more seamlessly because we're just consumers and we, we don't know anything about the car industry or the development costs or anything about that. We just want to have everything we have on our phone in our car. And they, everyone from the chief marketing officer of Ford to the chief marketing officer of General Motors to academics to guys that work at MIT said exactly the same thing. Like, this is all consumers want. It is almost the most important thing about cars today is the tech interface. And that all the car manufacturers admitted that were there, and I cite Ford and GM and Honda, that they are way, 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 way behind the tech companies. And mainly it's because the car industry works very differently than the tech industry. The car industry, obviously, their competitors are their competitors. They're not going to work together to develop an interface that works across, you know, multiple uh-huh. different platforms and cars. Whereas and isn't the, it also a safety issue? Well, here's the thing. We're going to get to that. And then the tech companies work in a matrix. So even if they are competitors, you know, uh, Apple and Microsoft work together, even though in certain, con, you know, contexts they're competitors. Well, then the safety issue, of course, is the other reason car companies sort of cite as well. We didn't really know what to do. There was a lot of mixed feelings out there, and we have the, you know, we have certain public policy issues that need to be addressed before we can go forward with the technology. But here's the problem, Julie, and they all said it. You can outlaw the technology, but it is not going away. All it means is people have their cell phones in their lap and they're looking down. And that's yeah. the most dangerous thing you can have in a car. So it'll be much better when it's all in a big display in front of the windshield. When, so that will be better. Yes. It, it will. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. Well, how could that be better? That, well, it's better than be- people with, with their eyes off the road. And that's why they had all these people that have done all the, the, the guys from MIT that have done all these studies and behavioral scientists. They said that in terms of like the technology, the, you know, horses out of the barn. So you can put in all these no cell phones while you're driving rules, but people are breaking the rules. And to do so, they're putting the phones in their lap. They're looking down. They're taking their eyes off the road. And 
I certainly see that every single day, Leanne. Right. So I agree with that. But right. I don't agree with their conclusion that so you should just give in to that really bad habit. Well, right? they so. said all the apps on the on the screen. Mainly it's a nav system. Like that's what people want. They want the nav system. And the phone nav systems are better than the in-car nav systems. Okay. Well, that, yeah, I can so see that. They, and that's why they're using the phone for navs and like parking and like real-time traffic updates. They're using the phone and they're looking down. Like, should should we have streaming video in the car? I don't really believe in that. And they, the car designers were saying, then we have to balance, you know, the safety of the technology. Is it driving related? We don't really need every app. You don't need to be planning your menu or sending Instagrams from your car, although that is what people want. Uh, you, you do, but you do need like safe, good navigational systems and anything that's car related. So it was actually a really interesting day of panel discussions. Um, and they did say the the MIT scientists said they have some studies, you know, because it had been thought that, um, he said, really, we were taking a look at like how much, and I, I don't think this is the correct technical term, but how much brain, <laughs> how much brain space it takes to say, uh, do a voice command you know, where is the nearest Nordstrom to changing a car radio? Okay. The manually think about those okay. two things. Okay. And it's like 10 times the brain space it takes to change the car radio. So some of the stuff we're doing in the car, like that we think is fine is already much more difficult than voice command. Where's the nearest Nordstrom? So he said, you know, there are studies that actually support voice, voice command tech in the car, you know, Play Bob Marley is safer than, you know, using your hand to switch around and find a radio station right. with Bob Marley on. So yeah, I can see that. I'm all for the voice commands, Leanne, yeah. but I just, it's the visual stuff. You know, that's, that's where, yeah. you know, when people want to review their emails, but right. maybe it'll be all audio emails. I've seen that on a car. Ad. I know. So, well, well that, that is interesting to think about. It and was interesting. Right. And they kept describing it as the fourth screen in your life, assuming that you have a laptop, a cell phone, a tablet. And the car is the fourth screen now. And uh, it is. Okay. And okay. it is. Big, big thought there, Lynn. Big thought. It is. The ultimate mobile app is that they refer to the car. And they said one interesting bit from sales was the CMO of uh, Ford said, um, he said, in his 20 years in the car business, he said, more people have walked in and bought their cars because of the sync, like the Ford sync system, their tech screen and their than any other option they have ever offered. And it's a $200 option. And it's like, people aren't asking about, you know, the ABS system. <laughs> They're not asking about airbags. They're like, okay, do you have that sync system? I'll take the car. Like it is that powerful a selling tool. But the car makers said we're years behind in terms of our tech development. So it was very, we had, we had a day of like panel discussions. Wow. This is really a summit, a, a car <laughs> summit you attended. <laughs> the car summit. Son. Brooks, I made him wear, oh, he chose to wear a blue blazer. He looked excellent. And, uh, but then the next day we got to do the fun stuff. Yesterday we went and it was when all the automakers like have 20 minute press conferences and they do the dramatic unveiling of the new cars and some are North American debuts and some are global debuts. And, you know, it was everything from the hydrogen car at Hyundai to, uh, the Porsche 918 Spider, which Julie, if you have an extra mill hanging around, just that's run. What you, that's, that's what you got to get. Just run your Porsche dealership. It's a <laughs> yeah. million dollars. Million dollars. Awesome. It's a million dollar car. That's a. There's a, quite a few million dollar cars now. Actual, and how's the, how's the sync system? In the <laughs> <million dollar> car. <laughs> that, 
You know, that's the irony of some of those kind of cars is they don't have any of that stuff. Like they have a lot of technology, but it's not, it's not checking your email because they want you driving the car. So really, um, really fast. Yeah. Really fast and paying attention. They assume you have bought a car like this to enjoy the driving experience to the highest degree. So you don't need, you know, a nav system, but, um, okay. I have a couple of cars for you. Just going to okay. go over a few cars for, I would say women of our age and, uh, time in our life. We are, um, are these um, freedom cars, Liam? They're freedom cars, Jewel. They're freedom cars. Freedom from minivans. Oh. It's exactly what they are, Julie. They're freedom cars. Um, freedom from minivans. Freedom from schlepping a lot of kids around. Uh, you know, freedom maybe from a mortgage payment. So, you know, they're not the bottom of the line cars. These are some nice cars. Okay, the first car, Julie, I want you to take a look at is the new BMW 428i convertible. Okay? Ooh, okay. This is as my 18-year-old son uh succinctly put it it's the ultimate girls driving machine because it is a it's like bigger than the three series convertible but just beautiful decked out in every single way it's got a broader stance on the road it has you just push a button you don't have to there's no manual you know taking the top off you push a button and it all folds down automatically but here is what makes this the car for for the freedom car for us Okay, say you're driving, Julie, and you want to put the car down, and it's December. You know what the BMW 4 Series convertible has? It has the seat warmers in the neck pillow. Oh, okay. That's great. I would just sit in the car, Lynn. You know, that would be good after a workout. Don't you love your seat heaters? I mean, I, I love I them do. now. When it's like 70 degrees, I put the seat heater on after yoga class. <laughs> so imagine. Oh, around the neck. Oh, that sounds good, Leah. To keep your head and neck warm so that you can put the top down even in the winter. So, oh, oh, oh. so which of the five sisters do you see uh, getting this BMW? Well, you know, you? you know, Liz has always enjoyed convertibles. Yes, I know that. So I, I think she's the first one to get this one. But I'm just saying, Julie, you know, maybe if your wrist ever gets better, you want you want to consider that. <laughs> okay. So that's a whole nother thing. I'm driving with my left hand. Let's we won't even talk about Please it. Please don't. Okay. Speaking of safety issues. <laughs> yes. Is there any cars yeah. that they could drive me? Because that to me is the ultimate luxury. That's really what I, that's the driving experience that I am craving, Leon. Julie, there rivet. was a whole panel discussion on self-driving. And, uh, I had to go home and pick up my younger son. So I missed it, but those cars are coming. So I thought about you, they are being developed, the self-driving car. So don't worry. You're going to, and you are definitely the one sister that needs a self-driving car. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you have, so if you want your neck heated, you got the BMW 428i. Um, if you just want like a very luxurious car, that's super quiet. Okay. The Buick Encore. Julie has Bose noise canceling, uh, audio quality in the car. So, you know, like those noise canceling headphones, it's sort of like the noise comes in, the noise goes out and in the middle they meet and they buffer and they cancel everything. They have that same technology in the car. So it's, it's a, a sanctuary. It would be for Monica. Yeah. She likes things quiet, doesn't she? <laughs> it's true. Uh, it Monica is a good car. In the Buick, Buick Enclave? That's yes. Not, that's her car. Okay. It's the Encore because the Enclave's Encore. big and the Encore is a little bit smaller. Again, because freedom from schlepping kids, freedom from the minivan, luxurious right. interior finishes, mm-hmm. 
I mm. saw it in a deep espresso color that mm. was beautiful. I have to say, I thought it would look good with all of our eyes and hair, like a very okay. flattering color car on us. That's, that's an important consideration. <laughs> so, uh, the entry level price for the Buick Encore is twenty seven thousand. The car, the model I was in, topped out at like thirty seven thousand. But it was luxurious and it was super quiet, super duper quiet, and all wheel drive. So I like all wheel drive. Okay, and then Jewel, this is the car um, when we really hit it big with Satellite Sisters. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right, Leanne, a little drum roll. What is it? Like our husbands have been waiting for us to do for 10 years. Um, the Jaguar F-Type Coupe. Mm. Honestly, Julie, I, I'll put a picture of it. Brooks took a lot of pictures, so I'm going to put um, his pictures up. The most beautiful car at the show, bar none, hands down, like breathtakingly beautiful. It takes a lot, actually, for the press to go, oh! <gasps> When a car is unveiled, and that's what they did when the Jaguar F-Type Coupe was unveiled. They've had the Jaguar F-Type um, Cabriolet out for a while, but the Coupe is actually better looking, and it's a Jaguar, and it's just beautiful inside, and uh, it's just a two-seater, so it's total freedom. You're not right. you're not schlepping you are... anybody with that F-Type Coupe, but... Um, it is an it's un- kind of your party car when you're all dressed up and you want to go out. You go out in your party car. There you know you what, go. Julie? Every time you got in this car, it would be a party because you would just <laughs> feel you would feel so glamorous in this car and like you you had made it. Like that's what they want. Every car maker wants to create quote an emotional driving experience. They all said that every <laughs> single one in their press I conference. I have one of those every time I get behind the wheel. <laughs> 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 but it's not a good one. But all right. Okay. Okay. So so that's it. Those are the cars for us. The Buick ah. Encore, the BMW 428i convertible, and the Jaguar F-Type Coupe. Good <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going to, when Brooks gets his photos up, I'll put them up, um, on the, on Facebook and the website and stuff. Cause he took some great shots. I, on the other hand, have my little blue Canon sure shot and, um, some I'm of sure mine you did are, a fine job. <laughs> totally fine. I did get the key picture of Brooks and Usain Bolt though. So that was key. Cause he was, uh, if you haven't seen that, that's on our Facebook yeah. page, the satellite sisters group. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a cute one. It almost looks like, um, like your your handsome son sort of was photobombed into the picture or something. It looks great. That was what happened. He they're like, okay, you can take pictures now. And it was clear Usain Bolt was only going to stand there for like thirty seconds. So I just started shoot. I like ran to the other side of the stage and just started shooting. I was like, stick your head in. So that's good. That's good to him. That's good to when you take your son to work that you're just you know <laughs> taking pictures of him, yelling at him loudly. I'm sure he enjoyed that. Well, here's. Here's the thing, Julie. We had a special agreement. He called me Leon. Oh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to embarrass okay. him, you okay. know. And we have okay. different last names, so there really wasn't any reason anyone should know we were mother and son. So I was. I get it, Leon. I get it. It's okay, and I bet you were okay with it. Too, I was fine. It was, it yeah, was harder he's... for me than it was for him. <laughs> but. Yeah, when people would ask him questions, I was tempted to answer, but I really had to shut up. So uh, it's a good lesson. Good work. <laughs> All right. Um, 
Okay, on to some more serious news. Uh, Julie, I know a lot of people think of you whenever North Korea is in the uh, news because you've been there and you did such a great report on it a couple of years ago. But there was another American taking custody in North Korea, an 85-year-old Vietnam War veteran from California uh, named Merrill Newman, taken, uh, taken into custody Custody, custody, I think maybe the wrong word, uh, detained by the yeah, North Koreans yeah. this week. And um, in just one of those really small world situations, I am very good friends with his daughter-in-law. So just unbelievable. Only the seventh American detained by the North Koreans. And it would be an 85-year-old Korean war vet. Uh, Lee, and the story has just, I, it just started to explode um, in the last 24 hours. I know that um, that uh, his son was on CNN with um, Anderson Cooper, but it's now been covered in all the major news outlets around the world. And it is so shocking that an 85-year-old would be detained. Now, you know, I've been, re- I was really looking at for some of the details in the story and, you know, there, there aren't many, but you know, that he was over there on a legitimate tour. It appears, Leanne, that he was working with the same tour outfit that I went on a tour with my friend. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I, I believe it's probably the same one. This is a company that has like a 20 year reputation of taking, taking a wide range of international people in and out of uh, North Korea and, um, you know, they're very when, you know, when I went to North Korea, you know, they gave us very we had training in Beijing before we flew into Pyongyang um, just about what we could do, what we couldn't do, what we could say, what we couldn't say, what, you know, what, you know, books that we could bring in uh, technology, phones, cameras. They went over everything. And I have to believe that this um, that this man, you know, had that same kind of briefing, probably it sounded like. You know, they, he was in the country for ten days. Yeah, the, the, the last... longest, the longest that he could be. Yes, I That's mean, which he is chose a much, to stay. which is a much longer trip. I was only in there five days, and to this day, I just think I, I, I don't think I could have done a sixth day. You know, I just. Um, but so he was over there. We did have some. Uh, we had some Korean War vets on our in our tour group, uh, Leanne, and you can understand it in the same way that many people who have returned to Vietnam, who have who have who were served in the Vietnam War, or World War II vets that go to Europe to go back to the places that were you know, that were so memorable in their lifetime. And that sounds like that was the impetus for this trip. I just can't figure out when I think back of how much we were monitored and minded and corralled and watched. I can't figure out what he could have said or done to get to be detained. I really can't because there were other war, you know, war veterans that went through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that shouldn't have set off any alarm bells. You know, I just, you know, I mean, you know, clearly everywhere you went, you know, they had, you have your tour guides, but then you have people that are watching the tour guides, and then there are people that are watching the watchers of the tour guides. So there's this whole layer of of people that are just spying on everybody, what everyone is doing. I mean, I, I've mentioned in my reports, you're never allowed, you know, out, you know, to be by yourself at any time, even when you're in your hotel room. You know that, you know, your room is bugged, you know, or you should know your room is bugged and, you know, any kind of telephone conversation is being listened to. Uh, so 
I, it's just hard to imagine what he did. And it was almost like a scene in the movie Argo, Leon, where he was on the plane. He had already gone through all the customs and immigration. And as you're leaving Pyongyang, when we left Pyongyang, they once again checked, you know, our cameras. They checked all of our suitcases. They, you know, they really went through everything to make sure you hadn't taken pictures of something you weren't supposed to be taking a picture of or that you hadn't taken any materials that should, you know, shouldn't have been, you know, shouldn't be leaving the country. So you have this great sense of relief when you're on the plane. And then when the wheels are up, an even greater sense that like, oh, my gosh, thank goodness I'm out of this country. So for him to be sitting on the plane and then be pulled back, I, I just don't know, you know, but. I know. Well, imagine, I mean, the only reason they know that he was detained was because he was traveling with a, a companion, another guy from the senior living place where he lives, a, a guy in his 80s who's a performer professor at Stanford, and he was he was not detained. So that's when, you know, his traveling companion landed in Beijing uh, that they were able to inform people. So what's troubling, I spoke with my friend last night, and they literally have not heard one single word from the North Korean government, not one. Which is why they have been working through the State Department uh, to get him released on a humanitarian basis because he's 85 years old. He needs heart medicine. Um, but they have not heard one word from the North Korean government. So that's why they decided to go public after three weeks was to maybe, um, you know, communicate that they are interested in hearing about uh, their family member. But you can imagine for three weeks, what they have been going through. I, I, I can't imagine. Well, you know, trying to go to work and trying, uh, you know, they have kids applying to college, just like living this double life. They have not wanted to say anything, uh, you oh. know, to upset anybody. And they you know, just want to make it very clear. They would just like him home. He's 85 years old. So, uh, but it's an unbelievable story. And I, I feel his wife is, you know, in California, Northern California. Imagine, I mean, imagine you're 80 years old. This I, is I, your husband is somewhere in North Korea. It's just an unbelievable story. And North Korea is worse than you think it is. So it is the, it is the worst place on earth so that he is not receiving good care or that, you know, his diet is not, I'm sure is not good. And, and I'm sure the fact that uh, other people who have been detained in North Korea sort of shortly thereafter their you know their whatever their crime alleged crime is has usually been made known to the public the fact that they haven't said anything about this is really troubling and perplexing i mean it just goes to how the tyranny of the place and how arbitrary you know it is that that they could see an 85-year-old tourist as any kind of threat right. you know any way around you know right. i mean Again, and there is you, I, I, you know, you, he had no chance to get in any kind of trouble over there because you are watched all the time. Everything you do there, you, you know, you have people around you. So it's, you know, that is, it's so, you know, I, I you know, I just, I've been trying to think how, how something like this could happen, but it's just because it is a country where they still have very strong rhetoric about, about the Korean war. They still believe that the Americans are going to attack any day. This is what you, you know, they tell. The this North is Korean what you people. said on your original podcast, right. Julie, when I learned right. of this, I went back and I listened to that and, and, and then I forwarded the link to my friend and, and I said, just take a listen. If you're trying to figure out some stuff, 
you know, this may be helpful because you paint a very clear picture, you know, that Americans are still the enemy and they are still at war uh, in terms of, you know, the Korean conflict, I guess, is not technically over, right? Uh, There was no peace treaty ever signed. So, so it's just an unbelievable story. And I feel just so bad for my friends and their family. Just what a, just giant, giant question marks, which I think is the worst, (laughs) the worst way to sort of proceed. I mean, he's not a 25 year old hiker, you know, he's, he's an 85 year old war vet. So, um, so we can only hope that behind the scenes, both by the U.S. government, by the Swedish government, other governments are interceding on his behalf. And right. that and that we may not know. And hopefully, you know, his family will, you know, will find out soon and that he will be um, he will be let go. So uh, yes. that this is something that I'm certainly going to watch very carefully, Leanne. OK, so. I know. Me too. Me too. All right. That's why when I spoke to my friend last night, we had, you know, this conversation and then, um, then, then she's like, and my life goes on. So what are you cooking for Thanksgiving? Like that's the, you know, that that's like, I mean, this is the kind of life they have, but so we're going to, we're going to move on a little bit to Turkey talk, but I know Jill, you have some picks and pans, huh? I do, Lee, and I have picks and pans for the week. And let me start with my pan. Cause I think this then will end on a positive note. My, so my pan, again, this is a movie that I am not going to see and I recommend that you see. Okay. It is, it is a documentary that's done by Alex Gibney and, you know, he's a, he's a well-known documentarian. He's won all kinds of awards. And uh, a while back, he just thought it would be a great idea if he did a document uh, documentary on Lance Armstrong. So, but he started this documentary at the time when the whole, his whole doping, you know, lie sort of crumbled. And so this is a this is a film about it's the name of it is called The Armstrong Lie. And I'm sure it's it's gotten very good reviews because you really get to see what a big fat liar Lance Armstrong was and what and he really paints a great picture according to the reviews of what an incredible bully Lance Armstrong was too and to anyone that in, at all tried to refute um, or suggest that he was doping early, you know, uh, early on that, you know, you really get a sense of that. But here's why it's my pan for the week, Leanne. I just, I just, I just don't have, you know, I have limited time, limited <laughs> emotions and to devote it to someone who is, who is now a known liar, you know, and spent and wasted so much of our time. Right. Lies that no matter how good a, a, a film it was, I can't see that I would ever be in the mood to see this. So that's that's why. Okay. I was actually very interested to see it because it's an interesting creative exercise when you think you're making one movie and the story completely changes. And right. I am fascinated, like, how you could lie for so long. I, I am fascinated to sort of see the behind the scenes. So, I mean, now I don't believe a single word that comes out of Lance Armstrong's mouth, but I think it would be fascinating. So I may not be in the mood this holiday season to see it, but I feel like there will be a time when I will will watch this documentary because I'm interested. I am. Okay. Okay. When you're like some cold winter day, you're yeah. really depressed. Do you want to spend your time with a liar? Go right ahead. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to my pick. Lynn. Yes. This is this has a little holiday uh, suggestion for you. I wanted you to um, think back um, and see if this name rings a bell. Tira Heder. 
Uh, probably not. But Tira Heder is one of my daughter-in-law's friends, uh, and she attended the wedding uh, of my son and daughter-in-law. And Leanne, the reason why you probably know who Tira is is because Tira is the woman who, mis- who, who, who saw our brother Dick, who's just a year older than I am, and, and she thought um, Dick was the grandfather, oh, right. me, meaning the grandfather of my son, Will, rather than the uncle, she because she is a young millennial, and she saw this old guy, our brother Dick, she thought she, she was, uh, you guys, was, Dick was the grandfather. So this has provided so much enjoyment to our family, isn't it, Leanne? This one little yes, it snippet has. from the wedding that our brother was, uh, was you know, was, was sort of mistaken for someone much older and it has caused my brother some anguish, but we, we love to tease him about it. So, but anyway, at the wedding, um, uh, I remember one of the showers, Tira had said, Oh, she's working on a children's book. And I thought to myself at the time, Oh, well, good luck with that. You know, I just, (laughs) that's really what I thought, which wasn't really a kind or generous thought, but that's, that's really what I thought. I thought, I thought that doesn't seem like a full-time job or career, but guess what, Leanne? This week in the Wall Street Journal, her children's book, Frady Zoo, which has just come out, has received a remarkably good review. They call, the, they call this book endearing. They, they say the illustrations are beautiful, and it's uh, for, for children ages four to eight. And it's the, the theme of the book is about sometimes how a child conceives of some private terror okay but they can't remember why they're afraid of it but they only that they are afraid of it and so this is a story a very gentle happy story of uh, how a child with her parents confronts what her um what what she's really afraid of so it sounds charming and it's and it's supposed to be a beautiful book and fun to read so if you have someone on your holiday list uh, who's uh, in the ages of four to eight, Frady Zoo by Tira Heder might be a great suggestion. I'm looking at the pages right now on Amazon.com, and it is an adorable book. Adorable it's book. very cute. And her name is spelled T-H-Y-R-A-H-E-D-E-R. Yeah. I'll put a link at SatelliteSisters.com. Okay. But it so is really a cute book. Good for her. I know. Good for her. That's what I, that's what I said to her. <laughs> Timely and I don't, I don't know. I just had never met anyone who really, you know, she's she really that's what she wanted to do is write children's books. And yeah, I mean, again, as a writer, if I had a dime for every person who came up to me and said, I'd like to write a children's book, it does because it's one of those things I think people think it's easy. Oh, I, it's, I, it's super complicated in terms of writing a good one, and it's also like a whole different world in terms of publication and marketing and getting it out there. It's something I don't know anything about, and I have purposely um, not learned anything about it, so I don't have to help all the people that ask me to ask me about writing a children's book. <laughs> I go, mm, no, because it's like a whole different list of publishers and editors and, and agents. It's just a very different world, but it looks like a very cute book. Good for her. And she did all the illustrations, so uh, yes, so that's my pick for the week. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. We are, uh, we're looking at Turkey Day coming up, Jewel. And, I know. Uh, today, uh, one week, Leanne. We I know. know. It's got to be on the table. So what's going on? What is your, we're, you and I are not getting together no. for, um, for Thanksgiving. We're, I'm having Thanksgiving here in Dallas. You are hosting some West Coast event with family members out there. 
What's going what's going on? How okay, so thinking? here's the situation. I mean, as people who've been listening to the show know, uh, the one-year anniversary of our mother's death is coming up next week on the 26th, and it sort of coincides with Thanksgiving. Our mom died the Monday after Thanksgiving last year. It was like that really was her last good day, frankly, was thank- mm-hmm. last Thanksgiving. So I think, Julie, like you, I have very mixed emotions, a little bit of trepidation going into the Thanksgiving planning. We had so many Thanksgivings here with mom and dad. She believed in kind of a very big traditional New England Thanksgiving with She loved Thanksgiving. She did love it. It was her favorite holiday, bar none. She did a great job. It involved, you know, silver and uh, the the good placemats and the good china and you know I have enough turkey decor to last me till the <laughs> into the next millennium. So I was you know at first I thought I don't even know if I want to host it. Like maybe this year we should just go off the grid do something different. But I have my in laws here. You know we didn't host it last year. It was at Liz's. I thought you know what. I think I'll give it a whirl, but I think I'd like to do it slightly different. So I have 13 coming. Brendan's coming, his family, uh, Sheila, Liz, my in-laws, my family. And um, Brendan suggested we should do something completely irreverent, like eat dinner in front of the television. (laughs) (laughs) So... Thumbs down to that. Thumbs down to that, brother Brendan. But kind of the idea I appreciated. Like, I I don't know if I can recreate. Right. You know, I'm not sure that's. That's good. The spirit, yes. The 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 specifics, no. So. Uh, Julie, I'm going with a different strategy. Uh, you know, mom always had a, just a couple of hors d'oeuvres and then many, many dishes, a lot of side dishes, yeah. a lot of choices, three different kinds of cranberry sauce, two different kinds of dressing, you know, multiple kinds of cranberry bread. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Squashes. I, I am, I'm mixing it up a little, Jewel. I am going with heavy hors d'oeuvres Ooh. and a very simple menu for the uh for the actual dinner and i think we're going to invite some neighbors over just for the hors d'oeuvres and drink portion so and we're going to serve that outside hopefully we'll have a nice california day so you know just i'm going to make mom's pate Oh, I'm going to make a relish tray because she knows she liked that but i'm going to mix it up martha stewart had some i'm going to do some pickling some home pickling for my relish tray okay I'm going to assign Liz expensive seafood appetizer because Liz is so good at that. Yes, 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 she is. She just slaps down that credit card and you're going to have some excellent shrimp and crab at your house, no doubt. That's exactly what I was saying. It's exactly what I'm looking for. I am going to make that spinach dip that I make that tastes delicious. delicious. So I think we're going to, and then as it, and then I think for the actual meal, just a very simple uh, dinner, just very straightforward. So that is. What that. do you mean by simple? So are you going to do a turkey? Yeah, yes. yeah, I'll do a turkey. But again, usually stuffing? I make two different. Yes, but just one stuffing. You know, and how many, and how many sides? Maybe Turkey's- three. Julie, Sheila's going to bring salad, so maybe like only three sides. Yeah, ooh, ooh, and okay. I know. I I just and then you know and then it's going to be a free for all at dessert because I have my mother in law bringing the pies. Laura usually brings a dessert, so. And uh, I'm going to get some caramel apples for dessert. <laughs> so, 
Whoa. Well, you know that. Whoa. Well, my head has snapped back. <laughs> I know. That's Caramel it. Caramel apples. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, people have to understand, we have been eating the same Thanksgiving dinner for, for as, as old as, for, you know, half a century, right? Half a century. Yeah. We've been eating the exact same menu, you know, yeah. more or less, maybe. Yeah. Maybe we switch out one side, but that's about it. I was even thinking of not making mashed potatoes. <gasps> <laughs> I know. I know. That's what I mean, Julie. I'm feeling really wacky. Okay. I, I might roast the squash like in cubes instead of mashing it. So, uh, <gasps> and then, <gasps> yeah. I'm dizzy over here, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just <gasps> want to mix it up a little bit so that the hors d'oeuvres, the appetizers, that's very casual. Dinner is more simple, so it's not that last minute rush when I am pulling a thousand dishes out of the oven. And so it can be just the timing of it can be a little bit more relaxed is what I would say. Okay. Okay. Well, Leanne, you know, it's, it's, I I think it's a, I'll be very interested to hear how it works. It sounds, still sounds like you've got plenty of food. Yeah. Oh yeah. There will be plenty of food. That's, and there's plenty of work. The effect is going to be the same at the end. Everybody will be completely stuffed. And so that, uh, that, uh, that's good. Uh, But I'll, I'll be interested to hear. Of course, I had the same, you know, emotion here. You know, I, uh, earlier this week, I had a personal pity party where I was sitting with my plastic tubs of Thanksgiving holiday decorations. And first of all, I couldn't, I couldn't get into the tubs. <laughs> so I was like prying them open with my teeth. Okay. That's because just pity. That's, what I said. that's pitiful. Not pity. That's pitiful. <laughs> Okay. Because I, I said to myself, what would mom do? Mom would pry it open with her teeth. She would not let a simple broken wrist, you know, keep her from putting out the pilgrims, uh, the scarecrow. I have colored leaves. I have pine combs. I've got, I, you know, I've got name tags. I've got all kinds of stuff. But then the other part of my personal pity party is you know, with the broken wrist, I really can't cook. Do you I, really I, can't. Absolutely. I cannot the physical therapist said, do not cook Thanksgiving. They're very, you know, you are, you're, you're going to end up in trouble. You know, I, I believe me, I can't chop. I can't, I only have one hand. So that, so that's, so fortunately my son, Will and his wife, Lauren, who love to cook and who have a teeny tiny kitchen in New York and the idea of like coming to Dallas and actually operating, cooking in a full-size kitchen is is really thrilling to them. I mean, I don't know why, but it is. And I mean, I do feel guilty that they're, you know, they work really hard and now they're going to come <laughs> to cook the Thanksgiving dinner. But but they said they have insisted that they want to do it. So, yeah, and I bet they so do want to do it. I bet people don't volunteer to do stuff at Thanksgiving if they don't want to do it. Right. You know, okay, Liz so has never volunteered to cook a turkey, no. for instance. No. <laughs> but... She has volunteered to bring expensive seafood. So that's what she's yes. signed up for. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. So once Will said he was going to do Thanksgiving, then, okay, he's decided he's going to, are you ready for this? Deep fry the turkey. Awesome. Yeah. We're having, okay, Leon. I believe we're going to burn down our garage <laughs> because, you know, as our dear departed father used to say, he would quote every Thanksgiving some ridiculous statistic about how many people blow up their garages every year 
deep frying their turkey. But that is what my son is absolutely convinced he wants to do. He wants to deep fry a turkey. I have we have bought the deep fry, um, deep fryer. If anyone has suggestions, tips, particularly safety tips, please pass them on. I'd really like to know. This will be our first ever, but we're going to do that. And, you know, here's the thing with millennials, uh, Lee, and you probably have, are aware of this, is they know everything, okay? Right. And you know how they know everything? They've watched a video of it. So that's, <laughs> that's my son. He's, no, he, has no, he doesn't really know how to deep fry a turkey, but he's seen a video, so he feels like he can do it. He, he feels like he has a new recipe for mashed potatoes. He saw it on video, so he's doing that. Um, but we're also going to roast a turkey in, in, you know, in the oven as well. But again, because he saw a video, we are not going to roast a whole turkey. We're going to roast a turkey. We're going to cut it up and roast it that way because – According to my son, who knows everything, this is a better way to roast a turkey. Yeah, I, I've seen that meat. video too. Yeah, I know. I don't. I mean, it's true because then the the breast meat doesn't get overcooked. Blah blah blah. You right. can take that right. out. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, so I just have to go with it. I've got, I've got one hand, Liam. Huh. I just have like okay, oh, okay, okay. Then um, my daughter in law Vera. You know, uh, you know how my beloved daughter in law yeah. Vera. She is a wonderful cook. And I told her she did not have to cook anything this year because she is nine months pregnant. Uh, So she was off the hook. But she really wanted to make a couple of things. So she sent out an email to my son uh, and to me about what what she was planning on doing. So she's going to do a butternut squash tart, which sounds very exciting. Wow. So that's good. She's also making two delicious desserts. Um, she's going to make a cheesecake because she's from Kyrgyzstan. And apparently <laughs> that's what that's what they have at Thanksgiving in Kyrgyzstan. No, I don't know. She just she likes cheesecake. So she's going to make some <laughs> kind of delicious cranberry cheesecake, which mm. is perfect for the holiday mm-hmm. and some lovely apple cake tart things. So she's doing that. And then for her other side dish that she wants to make, she's bringing kale. (laughs) She's bringing kale. Kale. That's K-A-L-E. That's what she's bringing. And you know, as her mother-in-law with the one arm, I am going to welcome her with two, (laughs) two arms when she shows up at my house with kale for Thanksgiving. Because that's what you do, right, Leanne? That's exactly right, Julie. And don't worry, you're going to have all those Brooklynites in the house, and they eat kale for every meal, so you'll be fine. <laughs> I thought of you the other day, Julie, when I actually ordered, I went to one of those um, high-end juicing places just once. I thought yes. I would like to, and um, and that's it. I'll never go back because it's just, <laughs> I don't get juicing. I don't understand it. But I was uh, talked into ordering the California juice which oh, cute name cute name right and they gave me a sample mm-hmm. and i took a tiny sample. 